stories, big guests, the big picture. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge. Weekdays 1230 to 3, 770 CHQR. Well, good afternoon, Alberta. Welcome aboard on the Chorus Radio Network. Rob Breckenridge with you on what's turning out to be an eventful Friday. And uh, we will certainly get back to the big news regarding Alberta's pandemic response. Premier Jason Kenney announcing some changes in terms of how we incentivize vaccinations. Mask mandate is coming back as of tomorrow, a few other things. So we will have much more to get to on that front. Later in this hour, we're going to talk about oil sands development and some interesting comments on the campaign trail from Justin Trudeau as a way maybe of trying to sell his uh, TMX approval uh, to those uh, on the uh, skeptical left. He's trying to argue that in exchange for that, there's going to be no expansion of the oil sands. I think a lot of people are saying, well, hang on a second here. How is, how is that going to work exactly? So we'll talk about that coming up after 2.30. But off the top in the sound, I think it speaks to that bigger picture here. Is this election speaking to Western concerns? Are the liberals at all speaking to Western concerns? You know, you call this election in the midst of this forest fire crisis in B.C., that's a bad way to start. Maybe not surprisingly, the Liberals are tanking in B.C. Some of the poll numbers we've seen, obviously, the Conservatives remain strong in Alberta. Aaron O'Toole not being hurt, at least so far, uh, by some of Jason Kenney's own domestic issues and his lower approval rating. But joining us uh, for some thoughts on the campaign thus far and how it's being seen out west here, very pleased to welcome back to the program our friend Elise Mills, conservative political analyst, senior associate Sussex Strategy Group. Elise, great to have you with us here. Welcome back to the program. Yeah, thanks for asking me back. So here we are. We've got about two full weeks still of the campaign trail, and uh, the Liberals really still trying to get their footing. Is, is it a case of the Liberals, in your view, just running a terrible campaign, or are we really underestimating just how on message and organized the Conservatives have been? I think it's, uh, I think it's a domino effect or a layering effect that's happened to the Liberals. And while the Conservatives are running a very straightforward, and I would say very happy, great campaign, I, I can tell you the feeling is great, um, mm. very reminiscent of 2011. The team is, you know, the team I work with jives. Um, but, and I don't think our focus is so much on the Liberals. I think it's exactly what we've been talking about in question period or to Canadians for the last, you know, eight years, essentially, or sorry, uh, six years, which has really been about how quickly the Confederation has dissolved and how Justin Trudeau has built his governance around picking winners and losers. So you were just talking about the oil sands, for example. Um, So let's look at three and a half weeks ago, uh, which would have been midweek before he stood outside the governor generals. He went into Atlantic Canada and doubled down hard on, on expansion of Hibernia and spoke to the need of Atlantic Canada's involvement in natural resources, specifically energy. Uh, Then in Muskrat Falls, he popped over there. He wrote off their debt, which, by the way, was created from a certain level of negligence and mismanagement and interprovincial scrapping that created just a 
ballooning, enormous debt. He wrote that off, and then he also gave them an additional $3 billion and told them they didn't have to pay taxes for a period of time. That meant that people in Alberta were paying for uh, the energy projects uh, outside of Western Canada. And all the while, we're continuing to import oil uh, from places that don't line up with his um, his feminist or racial equality or 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 d- democratic agenda um and i mean all we have to look at is our mess and uh or our lack of due diligence in other countries and disrespecting our commitment to the world and you can see how this is becomes very easy for him and so i think in western canada um i think there was a lot of pundits in ottawa and when i when i say pundits i mean um hosts and sort of the inside people that really didn't understand what was happening in British Columbia, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and even Manitoba. And so, I, I, for example, I spoke to a CBC reporter last night, and I talked about what BC, what it's been like in BC for the last four months. He had no idea. When I talked about what Alberta and Saskatchewan ranchers were having to do, just trying to find hay because of the drought, it was a choice between selling cattle and shooting cattle. He was shocked. Um, you know, it, it, I think when we look at the TV, it's very, or any of our media, Rob, I think it's very obvious this country, Western alienation has increased, and it's mm-hmm. increasing in a way that we're not seeing ourselves represented on, on, on the national news. You know, it's interesting because, you know, I mean, obviously, uh, Albert and BC are, are very unique in certain ways, and, and BC is typically a battleground, and I think when we when, when the Liberals think of Western Canada, they maybe often think of, of the Lower Mainland near where you are, but they're not doing well in B.C. So what has changed no. in B.C.? Why are the Liberals struggling so mightily in your province? Well, and I, I, it was such a strange situation because I think people saw, I mean, just remember that the forest fire story didn't even become national until 10 days after we had declared a state of emergency, which we're still in. And we're also now in several other varying versions of it, which includes the interior and northern health here because of serious uh, numbers of, of outbreaks. Uh, we actually remasked. We split the province in half. And at one point, the province was disconnected from each other due to forest fires. And I kept wondering when this was going to be an issue. And I think the Liberals really didn't care very much what BC was experiencing. And I think that there was a certain amount of fatigue. As you know, British Columbia uh, and Ontario have vied, or sorry, Quebec have vied for top spot, which is not a, not a great thing for COVID outbreaks. And, um, and I think that the Prime Minister just assumed, or sorry, the Liberal leader just assumed that he could skate through the way he did in 2019, because 2019's election didn't have a lot of meat on the bone but all three parties were sort of i don't i it just felt like it was you know going through the motions right this time around i think british columbians are more in line with their alberta and saskatchewan neighbors than they have ever been which is hey don't pull this election on us um and you've got to remember we have a forestry sector which is not just people that cut down trees it's a, it, it is a it is it has become a very modern sector that includes a lot of technology and you think about how many people are unemployed because we cannot pull a chainsaw right now we will destroy our province if we do and there's still outbreaks 
just even in my neighborhood or along the meridian in the highway of fires that it's just a combustible situation and i think british columbians just said i've had enough and i tell you something rob just going out for a run with like a local candidate or local supporters people were sort of screaming i've had enough i'm a long-term liberal i'm done he doesn't care about us and from that point on i would say seven eight days uh, and obviously, I'm not traveling to Alberta or Saskatchewan right now, and I'm wondering what that experience would be like. I could feel it in the air, Rob. Like, you know when you can feel a change? Mm-hmm. It's indescribable. It's not tangible, but you could feel it. And I was saying to a reporter that even this morning, right now, the the momentum is picking up for Conservatives. But it puts the Conservatives and the NDP for the majority of, of the close races against each other the NDP are going to really have to be able to flex their muscle in what I call Vancouver proper, which would be like Jody Wilson-Raybould's former riding, like Vancouver mm-hmm. Granville, places like that. The Liberals are still in striking distance there and and, in, and at times leading there too. Yeah, and it's funny you mentioned Jody Wilson-Raybould because I think it, it, it highlights part of Justin Trudeau's problem is that the image, the brand, doesn't match the reality. And, you know, in particular, well, he was facing some... It? Well, exactly. I mean, this this situation with this liberal candidate in Ontario, this Raj Saini, and Justin Trudeau again facing questions about this today and why they've let him stand as a candidate. And apparently we've learned now that uh, the complainant, one of the complainants against this guy, they never even interviewed the woman. So this idea is the critics say that, you know, the fake feminism or the, the Me Too hypocrisy, how damaging is all of this to the Trudeau brand, do you think? Oh, it's extremely damaging. I mean, there are still a a large swath of women in this country that uh, that support him blindly and yet claim to be feminists and are willing to leverage whatever they think they need to do in order because they're so fierce, fearful of either an NDP or conservative government. And I always lead as a Canadian first. Actually, I lead as a Western Canadian. And then I lead as a feminist. And, you know, I, I'm surrounded by great feminists who in our party, or in my party, who've walked before me like Ronna Ambrose. And I can tell you, that conservative women have done more for feminism in this country and i would say even with indigenous uh communities such as bringing the right to own property for indigenous women uh into uh, legislation which i still can't believe it took as long as it did for us to do that but or for the country to do it so to look at a guy that is standing next to a person and by the way you know this rob these allegations are extremely serious and mm-hmm. when i'm looking at the allegations and it's important to say they're allegations they're criminal and what it took to keep that secret or to keep him there was quite extraordinary and i mean that in the way of total cover-ups and then you add on the bullying that jody wilson raybolt has taken from people like carolyn bennett um i don't know if your listeners are aware how brutal it has been for for jody um and how i would say sort of disturbing the whole narrative around that is um And then I would also say that we get into the Afghanistan issue and we get into other issues where he really hasn't done anything. He ran, he defeated Stephen Harper, I would say predominantly over the imagery around the Syrian refugees. Um, And yet when you look at his record on the Syrian refugees, it it is, I would say, quite dismal. Um, We've really not had a place internationally, but worse, you know, he's running candidates like in Vancouver, for example, Rob, he's running a candidate who's a notorious house flipper. Now in Vancouver, 
that is a very touchy subject because you're seeing middle class people yeah. pushed out of the rent, even the rental market. There's you you we're now seeing bidding going on for rentals like you would if you were buying a house. We That's now crazy. have parking lots full of middle class people who, you know, six months ago may be employed and had a place to live who just don't. And then think about all of our resource workers who have walked away from their homes and are sleeping in gas or uh, supermarket parking lots. That was like that in 2019, but without a home, they have no place. They, they won't be able to vote. So as we head into the final two weeks here, and it's going to be kitchen sink time, I think, for the liberals, yeah. what's your advice to Aaron O'Toole and, and the people around him to, to, you know, to keep focused and, and to not get thrown off by what, whatever's coming their way? I, I think it's exactly what you just said, you know, keep focused. Uh, I, I think you'll find in the talking points that conservatives are using that we're not they're, they're not really addressing Justin Trudeau. Um, it's it's the job of someone like me to start highlighting the record, whether it's, this is a liberal MP or leader or an NDP leader or whatever. Opposition, someone like me, is to look at the real facts. For them, keep your nose clean. Make sure that you've got your six covered, as we would say. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like the precedent he's setting. He has tossed candidates for Less, less serious allegations around sexual discrimination and abuse or bad behavior, you know, period. Uh, even though we couldn't replace candidates, um, we have the exact same vaccine policy around our candidates as Justin Trudeau does. All you have to do is retort, you know, with the lies, but just keep it clean, stay steady. Um, and I think that has been Everything that you're seeing on the campaign now was how the campaign started out, and it hasn't really changed. Um, and I don't, and I think it's really important for conservatives not to get arrogant or get too giddy over the poll numbers because the two dates that I'm looking for that could potentially shift or change, because I think this election is still very fluid, and I think that even though we have a high or the conservatives have a high efficiency uh, vote um, uh, or a very efficient vote, I think those two debates next week on the 8th and the 9th could be game changers. And whatever comes, and in a way that the TVA uh, French debate was not. Because remember, next week's French debate will be completely translated and simultaneous uh, viewing for English viewers at the same, sorry, at the same time as the French debate's going on. So you'll get, you'll have English uh, voters watching that. And then, so what you say in Quebec, you've got to be able to say to the rest of the country. And that's always been a Justin Trudeau slip up. And I'm pretty sure Aaron O'Toole is very aware of it. But I also say keep with the narrative of, of the suffering that's happened in British Columbia and Alberta and Saskatchewan with the droughts. And think of the farmers, the ranchers, the people that, you know, are the backbone of this country. And stay true to your vision of Canada because it is absolutely the opposite of how Justin Trudeau sees this country. I'll leave it there. Elise, always appreciate it. Thanks for your insight and input. Appreciate yeah. joining us here today. Have a great long weekend, Rob, and thanks for inviting me back. You as well. We'll talk again. There you go. Elise Mills, uh, conservative uh, political analyst and strategist, uh, senior associate at Sussex Strategy Group. So some some thoughts from from that side of things and obviously from, from a Western perspective as well. By the way, just a quick note on the thing with the debates. And, and I got a piece that's going to be up at uh, globalnews.ca arguing, let's have more debates. Let's open it up. So you got the commission that the government implemented in 2018, and their mandate is to organize one English and one French debate. Then along comes TVA, which is a private broadcaster in Quebec, and they say, hey, we want to have a leaders debate. You guys interested? And they said, sure. And they showed up. So that's why there's two French debates and only one English. 
So why not have other broadcasters or think tanks or universities or other organizations organize their own leaders' debates? Let's, let's have more. I'm all for that. Anyway, we'll take a time out here. Rob Breckenridge with you on the Chorus Radio Network. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.